Amen. Somebody's fired up this morning. Amen. Uh, this week, uh, I noticed all the red, as I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, this week is kind of uh, Valentine's. It's a good opportunity to, um, you know, to have uh, a little romance. How many of you know that, that a little romance is okay? May I come on, help me out now. How many of you know that a whole lot of romance is better? Are you good? And I know today's culture, I understand, you know, that women say, you know, pastor, we're, we're women, you know, and we, we all recognize women. Women are good. That's true. When they behave. Ooh, I can't believe I said that. That just slipped out. But, you know, I still think that most women like a little attention, a little understanding. Here's what I found out. Guys like a little attention, too. That's why they get sick. You know, that's why they get sick, so they get a little bit of attention. But, you know, guys, don't, don't forget, and some of you gals or whatever you do, you know, get a, get a card or something, you know. Let, uh, let, let your gal understand it. And for you single people, you know, hey, you got to make your own fun. You see what I'm saying? Go down to the card store. Buy your own card. Say to yourself what you want somebody else to say to you. Amen? You say, well, I can't afford a card. Well, then write your own little note. You know, like, you know, you guys, told you, you know, write a note. Hey, darling, of all the women in the world that I've ever seen or ever gazed upon, you are still the most beautiful person I have ever seen. Every time you get near me in my presence, you make my heart flutter. I go back to the time that we were dating, and I feel like a little boy again that found the perfect candy in the candy store. When I lay eyes on you, I still think that you are the most beautiful person that God ever did make. And I want you to know that I am more in love with you today day than I've ever been in my life. And would it be possible that you and I could get together? I have a perfect table at Chick-fil-A for us on Thursday night. You know what? If you say those kind of words for her, she won't care where you take her. But she will want you to take a sobriety test before you leave. I promise you. How many think a little romance goes a long, long, long way? So enjoy it. Put your hands together. Don't forget tonight, the strawberry shortcake. I'm going to talk about an awakening. And what, what pricked that message is I saw a picture of uh, supposed to be Mary, the mother of Jesus in the streets, and a group of individuals with hoods on or hooded faces, black stockings, etc., cetera, uh, coming around her and... She, of course, was in this stance, and blood was pouring out, according to the picture, from Mary's body, and it said, aborting Jesus is okay. I read that, and I thought, that is an abomination unto God. But can I tell you something? Our culture is so far away from God 
that it is unbelievable. And when I saw that picture, I thought the devil is not ashamed to throw anything out there. But here's what he's forgetting. He's forgetting that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it's on fire and in the midst of revival and passionate, I'm here to tell you the church through Jesus can do anything and nothing is impossible. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, the days are come when we can no longer be silent. Amen. So I'm going to talk about an awakening tonight. I hope you're here. Miracles. Here's what we're going to discuss this morning. Uh, Miracles, and we talk about protection. And it's found in Acts 16th chapter, verse number 22. Here's what it says. The the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Everybody's chains miracles. The first one was last week we talked about deliverance. We shared with you that we have power in the name of Jesus. We shared with you that we have the privilege to plead the blood because there is nothing more powerful than pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. We said to you last week that you can take a person in a drunken stuber, and when God gets a hold of them, he can be absolutely delivered and sober just like that. That's the power of God. We told you that any broken marriage can have the restoration and healing of Almighty God. No matter how broken it is, God can come in. And today we want to talk about the miracle of protection. And the miracle of protection doesn't work this way, okay? You're running down the interstate, running 90 miles an hour. It's 70 miles an hour out there. You look up in your rearview mirror, and you see a familiar sight, and it is the blue lights that are flashing. And you cry out, and you say, God, I want you to know I need a miracle, and I need protection here. Lord, if you'll get me out of this ticket, I'll never speed again. That is called praying a mess. It's not going to happen. Are you running down the highway swerving on all the road and things like that? You're drunk as a skunk. And you look and see you're about to be pulled over for the third time in three months. And you cry out, God, if you'll just get me out of this situation, I'll never drink again. Protect me from that law enforcement officer. Here's a Greek word for you. You are going to jail. Psalms 37, 39 says, the Lord is their stronghold in the time of trouble. Now, I want you to raise your hand, get it up there back, and here we go. How many has ever been in trouble? That's it, right here. How many of you had started before you were three years of age? How many of you it's still going on? There you go, trouble. We're going to be having trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. Wonderful words of admonition from David the psalmist. We know that God does protect us. And we know that often that protection doesn't happen when I want it. It doesn't happen when I think I need it. It doesn't happen when I think that it should. Let me give you a couple things that you might 
think about, and I want you to write this one down or take a picture of it, put it on Facebook, put it on Snapchat, get it out there. Here it is. Long before something unexpected happens to us, God already has a plan for our future. Your little yard talk ain't nothing going to happen to you that takes God by surprise. He already has a plan with which to protect and to guide you. Long before we faced that difficulty, long before the flood came, God already knew what his plan of protection was. Preparing Noah built the ark for the right animals, and they survived. Jonah, before he was disobedient and kicked out and thrown overboard, God had a plan for his protection and deliverance in, in fact, in the belly of a whale. The Egyptian shoulders as they chase after the people of God and Pharaoh when he said, I, I let them go, get them out of here. And they go and have a change of heart and they get between the desert and in fact, the Red Sea. And they get there and wonder what's going to happen. God said, hey, I want you to know I had a plan for your escape. Open the Red Sea, walk across on dry ground. How many of you know God always has a plan for us? And here's something important. God can at any time miraculously rescue, save, and protect us. He has commissioned angels around us sometimes that we didn't even know about. He can say in one word and give us protection and give us deliverance. He can command, of course, the enemy stay right where he's at and not come near to us. You see, friend, he can be with us in the fiery furnace of our emotional up and down and has an escape for us. The Apostle Paul, however, gives us a scripture text that seems strange as it relates to protection. And it's found in Acts, the 16th chapter. Here's what happened. There's a little slave girl. She is demonically possessed. She cries out as she follows them around. These men are men of God. And then she has the ability uniquely to tell people what's going to happen to them in their future. She's a fortune teller, but tell her, but she loves to follow Paul and Silas. And finally, she got on Paul's last nerve. How many of you know which one that's at? The last, you get on my nerves. Now, now you get on my last nerve. And what that means is, Right before judgment is the last nerve. You're getting on my last nerve. He's been in the men of God. Paul said, I had enough solace. Get ready. Turns around and casts that devil out of that little demonically possessed slave girl. Well, don't you know the pious owners of that slave girl who had commissioned her to get in the street? to endeavor to do all the things that she was doing, she was, in fact, their cash cow. And they said, we're not taking this setting down. She's no good to us now. There are no more funds coming in as a result of, of her activity. And so here's what they did. We're not going to put up and tolerate Paul and Silas. So they stirred up a little riot, some anxiousness there. And as they stirred it up, other people got on board. And when the, everybody got on board, here's what happened. They took the two individuals, Paul and Silas, and it says they beat them in the streets, whipped them with whips, severely flogged them, and threw them into the deepest inner part of the prison. 
and told the jailer, guard them carefully. Well, what were they doing? Now, if, if I'm in that situation and I've been beaten and severely flogged and thrown in the inner prison, I'm going to say, uh, what, what's up with this? The only thing I've been doing is declaring your word. That's what you call me to do. And you're supposed to be with me. And if you're supposed to be with me, and I have been obedient on every single thing you've asked me to do. Well, if I'm being obedient every single thing, look at these wounds. Look at my back. Look at my legs. Look at my face. What's up with this? You're supposed to protect. They were unfairly accused and wrongly beaten. And it was against the law for Paul to be beaten as a Roman citizen. Not to mention, he said, I've done nothing wrong. Nothing, nothing. We often face circumstances where the enemy seems to beat us up and strip us down. Some of you listening to this message might be stripped of your hope. Some of you listening online right now, you said, I used to have a lot of faith. I used to have a lot of hope, but this happened and this happened and buddy, it just wilted me down. I really don't have any motivation to be able to go forward. And when a person loses their hope over a series of circumstances, they get into it psychologically. Before you know it, they get depressed and they don't feel like there's any reason to live. Some of you feel that way. You once had faith that you could trust God, but now that faith is stripped away. Some of you, you have feelings because your feelings were badly hurt by someone else. And I mean, they just raked you over the coals and you thought, I didn't know anything about it. Some of you were stripped of companionship and those that you know, love and trust that happened to be in your life and you feel like, wow, I want you to know, why, why me? Why did that happen? And the enemy challenges you all the time. The apostle Paul, because of, of casting out the devil and brought to pass a miracle was unbelievable. And we might call God and say, God, look what is going on. What did Paul do? He was cast in the prison, beating, tortured. God, you said you would protect me, but you didn't. You said you would give me a miracle if I preach the word, but look where I'm at. You had the ability to send a 10-foot angel to stop those beating, but you didn't. You could have delivered me and not one scratch would have gotten on me. Well, you protected those in the fiery furnace. Not even the stench of fire was on them. Why didn't you protect me? You've let me down. That's what a lot of people say. And in the process of culture, we think, well, I'm only human. I, I, I think, well, nothing abnormal about that. But that's not what the Apostle Paul did. Not even close to that. As we pay attention for what he did when he was cast into the prison, and there was no one there, as I read and studied three months ago, I thought, who binds up the wounds? Who, who attends to the prisoner? Who attends the one that's just got the living daylights beat out of them? No one. 
You're just going to lay there and bleed. You're going to lay there. Nobody's going to get any methylate or peroxide and pour in your wound in those days. No one's going to say, we need to clean that up. It looks real nasty. No one did that. Paul lay there bleeding. Silas is bleeding. The only thing that he had, though, with his body that was splintered was this. And it's the only thing that you and I have in our life. It was his faith. And you know the enemy was fighting him emotionally, sitting on his shoulder, fighting him psychologically and spiritually about it. But here's what Paul did. I heard someone say it the other day. Paul took the high road. He took the high road. Say that with me. He took the high road. Say it again. He took the high road. Do you know how hard it is sometimes to take the high road? When justifiably you want to get down and dirty, Justifiably, you want to serve notice on somebody with a five-fingered weapon. Justifiably, you want to say, they told me off. I've been holding back. I'm going to tell them everything that somebody needs to tell them for the first time in their life. Let me at them, God. It's not what Paul did. And it certainly is not what we should do. Let me encourage you. I know that's tough, taking that high road. When Paul made the decision, even though he wasn't protected, to say, hey, I'm still me. I still have in me the joy of the Lord. I'm not blaming God. I'm not blaming them. I just saying, God, I signed up, whether it was good or bad. I signed up to stay with you, and you said you would not leave me nor forsake me. I'm going to pull out my best worship song. And he turned to Silas and said, do you know this one? And they began to sing worship under the Lord Jesus Christ. As they began to sing, it said the other prisoners heard them. They were either really, really good singers or they were really, really bad singers, my friend. The other prisoners listened to them, and we understand as they listened, as they listened, and they intended to worship, it was about midnight, and all of a sudden God said, now I'm going to send a protection order down there to bring deliverance to you. And the jail shook, the foundation shook, the doors flung open, and the chains fell off their feet and their ankles, and it was God entering through supernatural to interrupt the natural flow of life. What am I telling you, friend? That God is still alive and still able. And when we worship him, when we take the high road, God says, I want you to know I've got more yet to come. Help me preach a little bit. Somebody said to me last, last, where did you get that? Help me preach. I don't need to get it from anybody. I make up my own stuff. How many know that by now? Someone said to me not long ago, I don't know, they were about 50 years of age, when you think you're going to retire, I said, as soon as I do your funeral. <laughs> I mean, it just came to me. I know you want to say it. Turn to your neighbor and say something's wrong with him. Not today. When they begin to praise, then God brought deliverance. But there are times 
when you've taken the high road and you're appraising away and there is no major happening that takes place. You see, it's easy for us to praise him when things are going well, but sometimes life takes that sharp curve and we hit the ditch and then it goes downhill all of a sudden. Those moments of great difficulty has hit us and we thank God it's getting worse now than it's ever been. But listen, when you praise God for who he is as opposed to what he's done, you're going to get more favor out of Almighty God. Amen. You believe that? Put your hands together. And then in my in my study, I'm dictating along here, and in my study, this is what the Lord, he said, you can worship God and behave and have your heart moved if you're in church. Ooh, I feel something. Here's what I want to know. When you get out there into the culture, can you do the same thing? Are you ashamed of that anointing that it's all right in church, but you get out there and you take the low level like everybody else does instead of the high level when you take it in church? Can you say amen? Do you know when God gets his greatest praise is when you and I behave in a way, whether we're in church or not, whether we've been favored or not, whether we've been healed or not, whether we've been delivered or not, whether or not we got money in the bank or we don't have. He said, I just want you to praise me. You know what it's called? It's call the sacrifice of praise and that praise gets the job done don't ever lose the passion and the potential that God has for each of us Paul is illustrating that it doesn't matter where you are or what's happened it's because of God's ultimate plan in you and whatever has happened to you and whatever might happen to you he said I want to feel and see the sacrifice of praise well I know uh, I had a situation here not long ago, and individual uh, needed needed to change jobs, and, and so it is. Uh, they on their job they applied for a job in a different company, and uh, and in fact thought, wow, this is the answer. This is the job that I wanted. This is the job that I needed. God, you sent this job my way. And over a period of time, they went through the interview, and everything is all positive. And then little did they realize that in the break room, uh, a couple days after feeling really good about the interview, another coworker, of course, said, hey, you know that job that, that you posted for? I posted for it too. They called me a few minutes ago and I got the job. Isn't that wonderful how God works? And you know what your mind says? Grab her, hug her tightly. Then you go back and you say in your car and say, God, what's up with this? The job that I wanted, the job I felt I was skilled for, the one that I prayed for, and then you gave it to her and she doesn't go to church hardly at all. And you gave it to her. What's up with that? You know what God wants to hear? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And God says, go on back to work. Go on back to work. Three weeks go by. You didn't even apply for this job. A friend of a friend mentioned your name, shared your resume. And they called you up. We have your resume. You suppose you could come in for an interview? Well, yeah, you're thinking, oh, man. This job fits you perfectly. Oh, and by the way, we'd like to give you a signing bonus if you'll leave where you're at and come to work for us. And you're going to work four days a week and not five. <laughs> Hello. You don't have to pay for the benefits. We pay all the life and health benefits. That's your job. And you say, oh, Lord, look what the Lord has done. Oh, yes, look what he has done. My Lord, have mercy. And you get that job. You thought hallelujah. You ramp it up. Hallelujah. Pa -pa -pa, hallelujah. And you've been in the job about a month or five weeks. And Facebook shows up. And the job that you thought you had that the other lady got, the company declared bankruptcy. And everybody was let go. And God said, you remember when you praised me when you didn't get what you wanted? I was protecting you from a layoff and had already in my mind's heart the job just for you believe God works that way somebody talk back to me that's how he works that's how he works that's how he works come on now you know it's the truth that's how God works but we sometimes forget when we take we take the low road here's another way that God in fact uh, protects us you're in a big hurry and you look and the and the arm on the railroad tracks going down. And you look and say, oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm in a hurry, and the train is going by. And it goes by and by and by and by and by. And you're like me. You're looking, how close is the car behind me? Can I back up? Can I turn around? Can I pull off out in that pasture some way and get out of here and see if I can't outrun that train to another place before he gets there? Anybody think that way? Am I the only one? Oh, let me tell you something. But you sit there, but here's what you might forget. The other side, without your sight, at an intersection just about a mile away, is a horrific crash. And God speaks to you when the train finally gets by. That could have been you. You say, God is that meticulous about the timing? He loves you enough to put the train there just enough to protect you. 
Amen. And here's what I know. I believe this. There are more times God has protected us than what we know about. There are times when God said, you dummy. He might even say, you idiot. If I'd have let you go where you were going and let you involved in that, you'd have been all messed up, wrecked up, and broke up. I'm here to tell you, but I went before you. I placed my angels around you. You talk about divine protection. I know you don't deserve it, but I'm here to tell you, I showed up when you couldn't do a thing. That's the power of God in our lives. Can you say amen? Well, Paul experienced that, the miracle of protection. See, here's something else. I've heard this. You're in a fender bender. Some people have fender benders. How many of you know if someone's had a fender bender lately? I do. So let's say you fall. Somebody told me the other day, you fall more after 65 than before 65. Well, let me tell you, if you're going to fall, fall forward. That way you're always in progress going forward. (laughs) Don't fall back. Fall forward. Those that's going to Israel with me will hear that a thousand times in Israel. If you're going to fall, fall forward. All right? Because you hit your knees. But how many times have I heard individual that fail or had a little fender bender or something happened and they had to go to the emergency room and get checked out. And when they went to the emergency room to get checked out over a sprained ankle or a fall or a little fender bender, the doctor said, you know, when we took the x-ray, we noticed a mass in your lungs. Have you been feeling bad? No. I don't feel bad. I feel good. Have you had any problems? No. You know what God is saying? I didn't protect you from that fall or that little fender bender because there was something bigger that came to take your life that had it not been dealt with in proper order and soon enough that you didn't even know about, it would have taken your life. Though you complained a little bit when you failed, I want you to know I had a plan for bigger things for you. And as a result, they found that cancer soon enough and was able to treat it. And you have been cancer-free ever since. Why? Because, God, you didn't protect me when I failed. God said, no, I'll let you go through that because I had something that needed to be looked at that you didn't even know about. That's the God I serve. One of our Canadians said this morning, his family said, buddy, that's exactly what happened to him. And then we pray, God, give me that protection that over evil influences. Keep us, give us that protection over the powers of darkness. You see, one man said, he said, so much of what is good in me today is a result of something God did not protect me from. What he meant was, there are a lot of things in my younger days that took place in my life. And my days of being a know-it-all, my days of being a young person, my days of being a young married, so much of what is good in me today is because God took a good solid two-by-four and had to hit me upside of the head. And had he not hit me upside of the head, how many know what I'm talking about? How many understand that illustration? It hit me. Had I not been checked, had I not been corrected, 
Had God got in the way and not let me experience that, I'd be a rebel today. But because he let me go through the pain, he let me go through the correction, he let me go through that challenge, I'm a better man today because of God's grace and God's protection in my life. How wonderful, how wonderful is that? So here's what the scripture says. I delight in hardships. It's the apostle Paul. I delight in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then God, what? Makes me strong. He said, who's going to separate me from the love of God? He said, nothing. None of the pain, none of the whipping, none of the beatings. Not peril, not a sword, not a whip. He said, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who I know loves me. And I know that no matter what happens to me, my God's got my back. So what I'm going to do in order to pursue him, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to give him the sacrifice of praise. And the Bible said at the end of the day, you're going to reign with the Lord forever. So here's 1 Peter. Would you stand on your feet now, please? 1 Peter 4, 12, or whatever it is you stand on. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So what is it that you get to choose? God, I want to thank you for your protection. But I want you to know that I want to praise you for who you are. Because I can't figure my life out. I never thought I'd be bruised by divorce. I never thought I'd suffer this illness that I went through. I never thought I'd be beaten up by cancer and go through treatments. I never thought, God, that my kids would behave this way. I just never... I never thought I'd be laid off. I was a great worker. I never thought, God, we'd lose our home. None of those things. But here's one thing I do know. Before any trouble or hardship comes my way, I know this. You already have a plan for my future. And if you can trust God with that thought, Here's what God will do. He will use you for his highest purpose in your life. And you'll look back and say, oh, my, my, my. The devil worked his best, but he had no idea how much I'm in love with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And those of you watching online, would you do that as well? And would you repeat this prayer, dear Heavenly Father? Father, Thank you for Jesus Christ. Christ. Lord Jesus, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for for redemption. Thank you for for your mercy. Thank you for your your grace. grace. I am sorry sorry that I have sinned sinned. and I have harmed you. you. 
I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart and redeem me. I desire to have a clean heart. So in Jesus' name, I give you worship for who you are. In your name I pray. Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering? Would you do that? Amen. You need prayer. You need anointing. You need for God to do something special. I saw a couple in the first service that I know are going through great difficulty. The yard talk would be to hell and back. And in that first service, I gave an opportunity to respond. And they didn't move. And boy, I taught, I said, God, this is an answer. But they can't make that move. Listen, if you want God to do something in your life spectacular, you're going to have to learn to pay attention to what God wants. And if you're not willing to sacrifice and put that pride down, God's going to stay there and say, you know what? There's some, this needs some work done on you yet. How easy is it to just be obedient to God? Amen. So if God speaks to you, as we sing this song one time, I'll give the benediction in a moment, and you know you need to come do that now. Would you do that? Here we go, everybody. Give myself
Heavenly Father, I thank you today because I know you're a mighty God. I pray for those online right now. Let's pay a special prayer for some of them. They were not able to make church today. Would you reach down and give them special healing? I pray, God, that you would touch those that have come forward here. We need your help. We need your help, Jesus. We want to take that high road. We want to believe in that protection. You have never failed us. So would you meet every single need? And we'll honor you. You are first today because this is your day. This is the Lord's day. It doesn't belong to me and my nap. It belongs to you. So God, give us grace and mercy. I pray tonight as we get into the meticulous subject of challenges out there, you'll help us and anoint us to preach the truth of God's word. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. If you're visiting, I'd love to meet you personally in the hospitality suite too. Don't forget small group signups and three, get your ticket. Love you, everybody. Say to somebody you think looks better than you do, God bless you. Oh, I give myself away. Oh, Jesus. Lord, I give myself away so you can use me. You can use me, Jesus. Oh, I give myself away.